Okay, so today's daf is Ayin Bet in Masechet Pesachim. We are we left off yesterday Ayin Aleph Amud Bet the uh, new Mishnah. It's about I would say a quarter of the way from the bottom of the page, maybe a little bit more than that from the bottom of the Amud. It says a Pesach shechato shelo lishmo b'Shabbat chayav alav chatat. So the thing is that normally we're allowed to uh, bring the Korban Pesach on Shabbat, as we've learned many times. What happens if a person slaughters a korban Pesach shelo lishmo b'Shabbat? Now, normally, uh, you have, the the rule is that Pesach sheshachato shelo lishmo. This is the first Mishnah b'Sachet Zvachim. Actually, if a Pesach is most korbanot, if they're slaughtered shelo uh, lishmo, they're slaughtered with the wrong intention, with intention for a different korban, they're still kasher. The korban will still be kasher. But in the case of korban Pesach, it will not be kasher. So a Pesach shechato shelo lishmo. So the thing is, if you do, if you offer a korban Pesach with the wrong intention, you thought it was a shlamim or some other korban. So what will happen is that it will be pasul. So what if you did that on Shabbat? So you produced a korban Pesach pasul. What happens? So chayav alav chatat. You should be liable for, for a korban chatat. In other words, meaning you violated Shabbat for no reason because slaughtering the korban Pesach did no good. It didn't provide you with a kosher korban Pesach. You just violated Shabbat by slaughtering it. Similarly, if you had any other kind of a korban that you slaughtered for the sake of a Pesach, in other words, you brought a shlamim or some other kind of korban that wasn't really supposed to be a korban Pesach and you slaughtered it for a korban Pesach, if it's a type of, a, of an animal that really couldn't have been a korban Pesach at all, for example, it's a calf or it's ben shteshanim, it's in its second year of life instead of its first year, or maybe it's a female instead of a male. Anything that disqualifi- disqualifies it intrinsically from being a korban pesach, so then chayav im However, what happens if ro'yinhen? So now we come to the machloka between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua that's going to occupy us for a little while, which is you have a situation in which you have a, a sheep, which is in its first year. So we're, we're talking about a male sheep in its first year or a male goat in its first year. So therefore it could have been a Korban Pesach, but it's actually designated to be a Shlamim. Okay? And you take this and you take this animal or it's designated to be some other Korban, whatever it is, you take this animal and it's on Shabbat and you say, I'm doing it L'Shem Pesach. Now the thing it, what is, it wasn't really designated for a Korban Pesach, but it would meet the requirements of a Korban Pesach. Now obviously it's not going to come out as Kasher because it wasn't designated as a Pesach, but it could have been a Pesach. It's a type of animal that could be a Pesach and you did it L'Shem Pesach. So what is the, your liability in terms of Hilchot Shabbat? So Rabbi Eliezer Mechayev Chatat. Rabbi Eliezer says, look, bottom line is that what came out here is not a Kosher Korban Pesach. So even though the animal could have been a Korban Pesach and even though the intention of the person slaughtering it was L'Shem Korban Pesach it's not a Korban Pesach so he violated Shabbat Rabbi Yoshua Rabbi Yoshua says no since this could have been a Korban Pesach the animal could have been a Korban Pesach and the fact of the matter is that when you slaughtered it uh, you had in mind for a Korban Pesach so your intention was a decent intention and the thing that you did was a uh, was also a uh, uh, you know it could have been uh, it could have been a uh, an acceptable uh, an acceptable situation on that Shabbat, so therefore you're not going to be liable. And Rashi explains this: the kasavar abedvar mitzvah v'asam mitzvah koldu patrum echuv chatat. So this situation is that because according to Rabbi Yoshua, if a person makes a mistake about a mitzvah, we're going to see many more examples of this in the upcoming dapim. But if a person that makes a mistake regarding a mitzvah and he does a mitzvah, even if the mitzvah is not really a full mitzvah, and it's not a mitzvah that would have over over normally overridden Shabbat, but he did some kind of mitzvah, then. Uh, 
the fact is that he, he's not liable for the Chilul Shabbat. So you'll say, well, what mitzvah did he do here? So the halacha is that even though Pesach Shishachato Shelo Lishmo Pasul, even though if you have an actual Korban Pesach that you slaughtered, not for the sake of a Korban Pesach, it is totally Pasul. And there Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua agree, it's totally Pasul. But if you have another kind of a Korban, like a Shlamim, and you said, I'm slaughtering the Shlamim, Lishem Pesach. That doesn't make it pasul. It will just end up being kasher, but it won't count to fulfill your obligation, whatever obligation you had. But it will be kasher. So here, if you slaughter this animal, which could have been a korban Pesach, it was the right type of an animal, but you slaughtered it on Shabbat, that was Erev Pesach. And so in slaughtering it on Shabbat, that was Erev Pesach, you said you were doing it Lashem Pesach, but it wasn't really a Pesach. What would really be the halacha in any other situation? If this were not a Shabbat, the halacha would be that that korban wasn't really a korban Pesach, but it was slaughtered for the sake of a korban Pesach. So bidiyavad, it would be a kosher korban as a shlamim, but you would not get credit for it for anything. That would be the that would be the halacha. Now, obviously, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbat. You're not allowed to bring a shlamim on Shabbat. But since we would say that you accomplish at the very least that you're bringing a korban, the korban is not pasul, it be, even though you slaughtered it the shem pesach, it wouldn't be pasul by virtue of that. So he says you should be not liable for chilul Shabbat, and that's called. Even though he made a mistake, the final result is a type of a mitzvah because the korban would be acceptable after the fact. And Amalei Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer said, back to Rabbi Yoshua, Look, if a korban Pesach is offered properly, it's Erev Pesach, you bring your korban Pesach, Lishem Pesach, you did everything right, and it was Shabbat, right? So, Kishishinad Shemo Chayav, but if you brought that same Korban Pesach on that same Shabbat, and instead of saying, I'm doing this for the sake of Korban Pesach, you said, I'm doing this for the case of Korban Shlamim, it would be totally invalid. So Zvachi, Shehen Asurin Lishman, a Korban Shlamim, a regular Korban that is not a Pesach, and you bring that on Shabbat, right? Kishishinad Sheman, Eno Din Shechayav. If you brought a regular Korban Shlamim on any other day of the year, we would say that that is uh, a Chilul Shabbat. You're not allowed to bring it. So, cert- so in a case of a Korban Pesach where there is permission to bring it on Shabbat, but you changed your intention and said, I'm doing it for a Korban Shlamim, even though potentially that could have been totally allowed and even a mitzvah to bring the Korban Pesach, but you messed it up and you see that you're liable for Chilul Shabbat. So if you have a Korban that never would have had a chance of being offered on Shabbat because it's a Korban Shlamim and you offer it for the s- sake of Pesach, certainly it shouldn't be allowed because even when you're doing it with the proper intention, it's not allowed. Certainly, when you do it with the wrong intention, it shouldn't be allowed, and it should be a lie. You should be considered to violate Shabbat. But Amalei Rabbi Yosho, Rabbi Yosho said to him, "Lo, if Hamad Rabbezach Shinau b'Devar Asur, Tamar b'Zvachin Shinan b'Devar Mutar." He'll say, "No, you know, there's a difference because when it comes to the Korban Pesach, what did you do that made it a problem? You said I'm doing this Korban Pesach for the sake of a Shlamim. A Shlamim is not allowed to be brought on Shabbat any day of the year. So then, any Shabbat of the year. But so that's why. But when it, when you took a Shlamim and you said I'm doing this Lashem Korban." Pesach, even though it's not valid to say that, even though it won't work to say that, the fact of the matter is that you, your intention was for something that would be permitted, and the animal was one that could have been a Korban Pesach. So therefore, what do we say? We're not going to hold you liable for your Chilul Shabbat. So Amalei Rabbi Eliezer said back to that, Amalei Rabbi Eliezer, what about the korbanot of the community, like the korban tamid and so on? Shein mutarin lishman, that obviously offering the korban tamid and everything that's brought every day in the Beit HaMikdash is permitted, and even a mitzvah, even on Shabbat. But if you bring some other random animal, and you say, I'm doing this, l'shem, the korban tamid of the community, that doesn't count. You can't just decide to appoint yourself the person who's bringing the korban tamid of the community. That wouldn't work. So why here? Just because your intent is for something that's 
permitted on Shabbat, that doesn't mean that you have license to do whatever you want. So I said, Amalei Rabbi Yoshua, no, that's not a good analogy because that's different because Korban Tzibur, the daily Korban, there's only one of them. You can't say, oh, there's a whole bunch of them and I brought one and somebody else brought one. There's only one. You can't bring one on your own. So that doesn't count. When it comes to Korban Pesach, there's lots of Korbanot of Pesach floating around. You took one and slaughtered it, thinking it was a Korban Pesach. It really was a Shlamim. But your intent was good. And it's quite possible that there were many Korbanot Pesach floating around. And, um, and so we can't say that there was no possibility of that being valid. And, and we can't consider that Chilul Shabbat. Now, he said, Rabbi Meir Omer, Rabbi Meir goes even further. The Gemara is going to unpack this a little bit more later on. But basically, Rabbi Meir says, even if you slaughtered a korban, l'shem, then uh, Rashi says, explains, we're not talking about specifically Erev Pesach. We're saying if somebody takes a korban any day of the year and says, I'm offering this for the sake of uh, the korban tamid or some other korban that is a communal obligation that is brought on Shabbat, he'll also be patur. So he's going even further. He's, he's going even further than both Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua because he's saying even something, it doesn't even make sense that, that, this person, that there's only one of them, let's say, Koban Tamid, and you're saying I'm bringing it as a Koban Tamid. It would also be, allow, it would also be patur from Chilul Shabbat. That doesn't mean you didn't break Shabbat. It means that because you were doing something that your intent was for a permissible act, um, your declared intent was for a permissible act, so we don't consider you to be liable for Chilul Shabbat. Now, Shechatoshlo um, Lo'ochlav, if the person slaughters the Korban Pesach for people who can't eat it, or people who weren't signed up for it. Now, means people who can't eat it, like they're sick or whatever. means they weren't signed up. They were uncircumcised. People who were, who were impure. So Chayav, he's liable because that Korban Pesach, again, is Pasul. Because the people for whom it's being slaughtered could not eat it, um, either for halachic reasons or other reasons. And therefore, it is Pasul. So he's liable for violating Shabbat. However, if it's a mix, if he slaughtered the Korban Pesach for some people, who, some people on the list could eat it, some people could not, some people were signed up, some people were not, some people on his list that he was thinking of had a Brit Milah, some people did not, some people who were on his list were Tamei, some were Tahor, it was a mix, so we learned about this already, so Patur, we know that that makes the Korban Pesach Kasher, the Korban Pesach is not going to be Pasul, because there were at least some people that you had in mind for who were valid, uh, consumers of the Pesach. And so therefore, we're not going to say it's Pasul. So therefore, of course, it's not going to be considered Chilul Shabbat to offer that. Now, Shechatov and Imtabbal Mum Chayav. If you slaughter the Korban Pesach and you find out afterwards that it had a Mum, you're going to be liable. Why? Because you should have checked. Okay, we're talking about a Mum that you could have seen. But Shechatov and If you find out that inside the animal was a Trefa, that you couldn't have known that before you slaughtered it. So, Patur, of course, you're going to be exempt because there's no way you could have known that the Korban Pesach that you were slaughtering on Shabbat had a Trefa situation in Inside. You check the lungs or you check the in whatever and you've discovered that it was that it was Pasul, that isn't your fault. Now, similarly, if you slaughter the Korban Pesach and then you discover that actually the owners of that Pesach had retracted, they had decided not to bring it. So therefore it had no owners uh, who were going to eat it. Or you found out that they died, or you found out that they all became Tamei, and now everybody in that group is Tamei, and there's nobody to eat the Korban. Since at the time you did the Shechita, you didn't know any of that. So the Shechita was Birshut, the Shechita was done with permission, meaning even though you didn't, uh, you, you might have gotten the, uh, 
Uh, even if it ha- that, that wasn't something you're expected to investigate every second up to the last minute. So let's say it happened, even if it happened before you slaughtered the korban, but you didn't get the information until afterwards, you're not liable for that uh, shechita, even though it turns out that that korban Pesach is now not, not going to be used, it's going to be fasol, you're not going to be liable for the chilul Shabbat there. Now we turn to Ayin Bet Amur Aleph and we say, Bemayaskina, what kind of situation are we talking about here that the person takes a korban Pesach and he slaughters it for the sake of some other korban on Shabbat? So, if we're talking, let's say, about someone who made a mistake, in other words, he took this animal and he really didn't think it was a Korban Pesach, right? He really thought, or she says, he really thought that it was some other Korban. Uh, it was a Shlamim. And, uh, so this is actually a discussion elsewhere in the Shas, not here, but in Masachet Nachot that we learned a couple of years ago of Akira B'ta'ut. So, Akira B'ta'ut means if a person has a, makes a mistake, about the korban. So for instance, if I have a korban, and I'm just giving a random example, this might not be exa- an accurate example, I'm just giving an example. Like in front of him is a korban ola. He goes and takes it and says, I'm doing this for the sake of a korban shlamim, because he really makes a mistake. He didn't, re- he didn't want to reassign it to be a korban shlamim. He thought it was a korban shlamim. That's called akira bitaut, uprooting its identity by accident. So there's a machloket in the Gemara. There's one view that says that since he only did it by accident, he really thought it was a shlamim. He didn't know that it was an ola. He didn't mean to change the identity of the korban. So therefore, when he did it, um, it was on false pretenses, and that means that it's not, a, it doesn't change the status of the Korban, and it will actually still be a valid Ola, even though it seems like he changed its identity. Since it was by accident, he didn't really mean it, he didn't really know the situation, so his intention is invalid, and it doesn't change the status of the Korban. An- another view says, no, it doesn't matter. If you say this, I'm slaughtering this for the sake of a Shlamim, even if it's because you really thought it was a Shlamim, uh, it will not, uh, it, w- it will still have an effect. Even though it was by mistake, it will still have an effect of ruining the korban ola. And so here we're saying, it sounds like if the person takes a korban Pesach and he slaughters it, thinking it really is a shlamim. It's not because he made it, wanted to make it a shlamim. He thought it was a shlamim. So that's called akira bitaut. It was an accident. It was a mistake. And yet it's saying that it will make the korban Pesach invalid. And that should be really the subject of a dispute. Because according to the view that says that a, a wrong intention that is honest, that is an honest wrong intention because a person really didn't know doesn't change the status. Some say that it does change the status. So it's taking a position. It's saying, that even though the person genuinely thought this was a korban shlamim, the fact that he slaughtered it for the sake of a shlamim does change the status of the korban, even though he didn't mean to change it. He thought he was doing something in accordance with the status. It doesn't matter. It changes it. Right? So maybe you'll say no. It means that the person deliberately said, I'm going to take this korban Pesach and make it a shlamim. Maybe, that, maybe you don't want to take a position on the issue of mistaken intention. So you're going to say, no, it was done on purpose. So Amos say, but what about the end? Any other korban that was slaughtered for the sake of a pesach? At the end of the Mishnah, we saw, or this, I should say, the middle of the Mishnah really as it appears in our Ragmarod, that any other korban that's slaughtered for the sake of a pesach, if it was a type of an animal that could have been a korban pesach, right? Uh, if it was that, uh, I, sorry, if it was the type that could not have been, so everyone agrees you're liable. But if it could have been, that's where you have the machlok between Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Yoshua. If we're talking about somebody who deliberately took this animal and said, I want to reassign this from being an, a shlamim to being a Pesach. I want to reassign this from being an Ola to being a Pesach. So, what difference does it make whether that animal was intended or not intended, what, what, whether it was, uh, whether it was uh, worthy or not worthy of being a Koban Pesach? The fact is that you yourself 
declared that it should what it should be. Right, so it shouldn't make any difference whether the an, the underlying animal is actually a, uh, uh, a valid for a korban pesach or not. As Rashi says, he says, "Oker lav to The person who purposely goes and uproots the identity of the korban by taking some animal and saying, "I'm going to use this animal as a korban pesach," and we're say, right, and you're saying that now we're changing our position and we're saying, "No, he knows that it isn't, but he's making it." Right. So if that's the case, in other words, if you're saying it's intentional, why would Rabbi Yoshua tell, say that the person's not liable? He knows it's not a Korban Pesach. It doesn't matter whether the animal could have been a Korban Pesach or couldn't have been. In other words, if we're talking about somebody who made an honest mistake, then it makes sense to make a distinction between whether the animal could have been a Korban Pesach or couldn't have been. Because if it could have actually been a Korban Pesach, then we'll say it was an honest mistake. If it couldn't have been a, 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 a Korban Pesach, then obviously it wasn't an honest mistake. But if we're saying no, we're talking about someone who deliberately took an animal and said, even though this is a shlamim, I'm making it a korban pesach. Obviously, the person, uh, you know, is intentionally doing that, and it wouldn't matter whether the animal was capable of being a korban pesach or not, and he should be liable for violating Shabbat because he knows what he's doing is not a legitimate korban pesach. He knows he's taking it something something that wasn't designated as a korban pesach and making it so. So that so therefore el apshita b'toe. So that case must be a toe, a mistaken situation. So according to that, you're telling me that the first case in the Mishnah is talking about someone who went and took the korban pesach and said, "I'm deliberately changing its status from a pesach to a shlamim," and that's why he's liable because if he did it by accident, he wouldn't have been liable. The and that where Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer are arguing, that you're telling me is where it's a mis- an honest mistake. And it can only be an honest mistake if the animal was at least the type of animal that could have been a Korban Pesach. So you're saying that there's two different cases. You're right. That's the only possibility. The beginning is talking about a case where the person intentionally changed the status of the Korban. That's why he would definitely be liable in every case. And the end is talking about where it's a mistake. He really thought it could be a Korban Pesach and he made a mistake. And therefore Rabbi Yoshua is giving giving him leniency, and Rabbi Eliezer is saying, is imposing stringency on him. Now, so Ashkechei Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef Rabbi Abau, Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Yosef met Rabbi Abau, Davakai he was in a large group of people, and Amar Lehi said to him, Matnitin Mai, what is the deal with this Mishnah? I don't understand it. Amar Lehi said to him the answer we just said, the beginning is talking about someone who deliberately says, I'm taking this Korban Pesach and I'm making it a Shlamim, and that's why he's liable. The, se- the second part where the person is, makes a mistake where Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua disagree is where the person mistakenly thought that the animal in front of him was a Korban Pesach and brought it as a Korban Pesach. They have a machlok at there. But in a case where he knew for sure that it wasn't a Korban Pesach and did it, everybody would agree you're liable. So, This is a phrase that we find several times in Shas. He learned it from him 40 times until it was like placed in his pocket. In other words, until he understood this halacha very clearly, he mastered it, he went over it with him, and he grasped it. Okay, Tanan, but we learned in the Mishnah, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer said, Ma'im Pesach Rabbi Eliezer's rejoinder to Rabbi Yoshua was, when it comes to Korban Pesach, which it's permitted, when it's done for its own sake, the proper thing on Shabbat, when you change it, but if you change it to a Shlamim, you are liable. So, Zvachim, Shein Asurin Lishman, so other korbanot that you can't bring on Shabbat, like a shlamim, kishishinad sheman, if you change them to a korban Pesach, shouldn't you certainly be liable for changing their identity? In other words, the korban itself never would have been able to be brought on Shabbat. So kal if you mess it up by giving it a different identity, it should be worse. Vim ita halodami. 
But if that's true, in other words, if what we're assuming is true, then it's talking about somebody who had a mistaken identity situation. It's not comparable. Because the first part of the Mishnah that says that if you, if you took a Korban Pesach and, and, a trip and had the wrong intention when you brought it, we're saying that that's talking about someone who did it on purpose. Rabbi Eliezer is comparing that to the second case that he argues with Rabbi Yoshua that you're telling me is where he did it by accident. But it's not comparable because the first case he deliberately took a Korban Pesach and said, I want it to be a Shlamim. In the second case, he just made a mistake. It's not the same thing. Maybe when you make a mistake, it's different, right? Ha, so it says, Rabbi Eliezer, lo shanele. The point is that Rabbi Eliezer doesn't care what the person's intention is. He only looks at the result. And that seems to be fit with his position throughout the Mishnah. When the result is pasul, that means that the situation is, uh, is going to be a liability for violation of Shabbat. It doesn't matter whether it was a mistake. It doesn't matter whether it was on purpose. It's going to be, uh, it, it wasn't a kosher korban Pesach, and therefore you're liable. Now, there be Yoshua, the shenele, but lishenele. Uh, but according to Rabbi Yoshua, who does make a distinction and he cares about intention, and he's the one we're saying who maintains that there's a difference between where you purposely intended to change the identity of the Korban and where it was an honest mistake, and it's in the case of an honest mistake that he's lenient, in the case of a purposeful uh, changing of status that he agrees to be stringent. So, so, so he should say, why doesn't he explain to him? The first part of the Mishnah is where the person deliberately did it. The second part is where he didn't deliberately do it. An honest mistake is different. So it says, this is what he meant to say to him. I say there's no comparison, says Rabbi Yoshua. The beginning the first part of the Mishnah where the person took a Korban Pesach and repurposed it to be a Shlamim that was on purpose that's why it was it that was, that's why he's liable the end where it's a mistake there where he mistakenly took another Korban and slaughtered it for the sake of a Korban Pesach is a mistake that's why he is not liable but according to you he says that you can't compare the two cases, even according to you, even according to you, that you don't care about intention so much, you care about results. The fact is, changing the status, the identity of the korban to something which is prohibited on Shabbat, like changing a korban Pesach to Bishlamim uh, on Shabbat, is worse than taking another korban and changing its identity to something which is permitted on Shabbat, which would be the korban Pesach. You must agree that there should be greater leniency in that case. And Rabbi Eliezer's answer was that I can show you a proof that that's not the case, that even though you might have a noble intention, if the situation doesn't make sense, the situation doesn't make sense. Because if a person slaughters a korban and says this is for the sake of the korban tamid of the community, it does, it's not covered. He's going to be liable. You can't compare because in the case of Korban Pesach, there's many of them around. So it's easy for somebody to make an honest mistake and think that there's a Korban Pesach in front of him. When it comes to Korban Tamid, there's only one. There's no reason to think that I'm the one bringing the Korban, Pe- the, the korban Tamid. That's something that's one for the entire community and he wouldn't make that mistake. So according to that, where there is a limit, Rabbi Yoshua agrees that you would be liable. In other words, if there's not an infinite range of mistakes to be made, so Rabbi Yoshua would agree that you are, that, uh, that, that you're liable. Now, meaning that he agrees that in the case of uh, the Korban Tamid, since there's only one, and once that one is brought, clearly you're not bringing the Korban Tamid, you can't say I'm doing it for the sake of the Korban Tamid, so then you will be liable. Even though the intent that you're saying, that you're professing to do it for the Korban Tamid, would have been a legitimate intent in theory, but in practice it was already brought.
So now it says, What about the case of the Tinokot? We learned the case of the Tinokot before the babies. In Masachet Shabbat, the two babies that need a Brit Milah. Now we learned the Mishnah Misha, you lost Tinokot, Shabbat. A Mohil has two babies to do Brit Milah. One is for Sunday, one is for Shabbat. So if, if, if the person. Uh, Sorry about that. If the person is uh, gives the Brit Milah to the one that is Achara Shabbat, that is supposed to be after Shabbat, on Shabbat, he's going to be liable. Right? Echad lemulo be'erv Shabbat. Echad lemulo be'erv Shabbat, echad lemulo be'shabbat. If one of them was for Erev Shabbat and one of them was for Shabbat, so then, v'shachach humalet shil Erev Shabbat b'shabbat. And he, and he then did the Brit Milah on the Erev Shabbat, the Friday one on Shabbat. Now that's different. Why? Because in the case of the Tinokot, in the case of the babies, where one is for Sunday and one is from Shabbat, giving a Brit Milah to a baby early is invalid. So you didn't do a mitzvah at all. Because you did the Sunday baby on Shabbat. Not valid at all. But the Arab Shabbat baby doing it on Shabbat, at least you're doing the mitzvah. Even though you're not allowed to override Shabbat for a late breed, the breed was supposed to be on the eighth day on Friday and you're doing it on Shabbat, and that you're not allowed to do. But the reality is that, um, that uh, it, the mitzvah was there already because the mitzvah started on Friday. So Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer still says, since there was no permission to break Shabbat for the sake of this breed milah because it was supposed to be on Friday... So, uh, so therefore, um, you're liable for the violation of Shabbat. Mechayev Chatat, Rabbi Yoshua Poter, Rabbi Yoshua says, no, you did a mitzvah. What's the problem? Now, as she says here, what? He says, Kasavur, Shehushal Shabbat, Vizeshal Erev Shabbat, Hayet Mol Choleo Shenenas. So he thought that he was taking the right baby. That's what happened. So he made an error. Okay? So Rabbi Eliezer says, Rabbi Eliezer doesn't care that the final result of the Brit Milah was a good Brit Milah. He doesn't care. The fact is, what you did, the action you did, wasn't allowed to be done on Shabbat. Rabbi Yoshua says, the bidvar mitzvah, the mitzvah, patur, as she says, that a person who does, who makes a mistake about a mitzvah and does the mitzvah, the mitzvah that comes out is good, like Rashi says, mikol makom, mitzvah milah kiem, the mitzvah of brit milah was done. So even though you weren't supposed to do it on that Shabbat, the fact is it was done, and, uh, and, and you would be, um, you, you, you fulfilled it. And Rashi says, to compare that, the kol azvachim shenzvachu shalashmat, tshirit, so he says, so similarly, the, um, you see here that Rabbi Yoshua, even though there's only one baby that was supposed to be, in other words, there was a limit of the number of babies involved here, right? And there's only one baby here, and he, that, that is supposed to be uh, to get a Brit Milan Shabbat, and he gave the Brit Milan to the other baby, still we say that he is not liable according to Rabbi Yoshua. So Rashi says in the same way, even though there's a korban uh, tamid that is brought already, if you bring a different korban and say, I'm bringing this l'shem korban tamid, it should be okay. That's what Rashi says. It should also be okay because the fact is that you're, okay, you had the other, uh, there is a permission to uh, offer the korban tamid on Shabbat and you're, you bring korban tamid. So to here, there's permission to do a Brit Milan, a baby on Shabbat. Okay, you're doing one, you're doing another Brit Milan that really didn't need to be done. But uh, the Brit Milah is at least kasher, similar to the Korban. If you slaughter a Korban shelolishmo for, for, or for the sake of a, 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 an objective that is invalid, still the Korban b'diavad is valid. So it should be the same thing. Shouldn't matter how many there are. Am Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami said, no, hachab mayaskina. Kegon shikadam u'mal she'et shalev Shabbat b'Shabbat. Tehi kahach de Shabbat tarid be'i. 
So he says, no, there's a big difference. Because in the case of the Brit Milah, the baby that actually was supposed to be uh, circumcised on Shabbat wasn't circumcised yet. So this Moel had permission to do Brit Milah on Shabbat. He just did the wrong one first. And it came out to be a Kasher Brit because the Brit was from the day before. The obligation was from the day before. However, in the case of the Korban Tamid, we're talking about where the Korban Tamid was already brought. Okay, and since the Korban Tamid was already brought, there was no more obligation. So when he says, I'm doing this for the sake of the Korban Tamid, it's invalid. So that would be similar to if the baby was supposed to have the Brit on Shabbat was already done. And then he came to the baby that was a Friday Brit and wanted to do it on Shabbat. Then it would be Chilul uh, Shabbat, according to, even according to Rabbi Yoshua, because there was no more permission to break Shabbat anymore for Brit Milah. Because the one that had that obligation was already fulfilled. Now, but that would imply that Rabbi Meir, who's chiming in at the end, and says that no, even if you bring your own korban and you say that I'm doing this for the sake of the communal obligation, it's still patur, you're not liable for violating Shabbat, even though, and the implication you're saying is that even though they already brought the korban tamid, you're still not liable for doing it according to Rabbi Meir, but that's not true. We learned in a bite Rabbi Chia. It says here from a certain place. He quoted Rabbi Meir as saying, That Rabbi Meir said, When did Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua argue when you had two babies, one that was supposed to have the beat on Friday, one that was supposed to have on Shabbat, and you took the Friday one and you did the beat on Shabbat? That you're going to be liable in that case, he says. When did they argue? So here we're saying the opposite of what we said before. We're saying that no, when, did, when there was a Brit Milah that was supposed to be done on Friday and you delayed it to Shabbat and he did it on Shabbat, every, that he says that is where everyone is going to agree that you're liable, that you're chayav for violating Shabbat. But when you had one that was for Sunday and one that was for Shabbat and you did the Sunday one early, that's where it's a machloket. The Gemara says, how could that be? That's the opposite. Wait a second. When you do the Brit Milah of the baby of Friday on Shabbat, technically you fulfilled the mitzvah. So that should be more lenient for Rabbi Yoshua. That's a reason for Rabbi Yoshua to be lenient because the one that was Friday was done on Shabbat. But you're saying the opposite. You're saying, no, no, no. When the one that was Sunday baby was done on Shabbat, there they have, there they have a machloket and Rabbi Yoshua is lenient. But when the Friday baby was done on Shabbat, Rabbi Yoshua is saying that you're going to be liable for that. That makes no sense. Why? In the case of the Friday baby, at least you did a mitzvah, even though you did it in violation of Shabbat. You weren't supposed to do it on Shabbat, but at least you did the mitzvah. In the case of the Sunday baby, there's no mitzvah at all. So how could it be? So he says, And we turn to Amud Bed. So what was the distinction? The distinction was that when we're talking about, the question is going to revolve around whether there is still permission to violate Shabbat right now or not. That in a case where the baby from Friday was, 
was circumcised on Shabbat, it depends. If the baby that was supposed to be circumcised on Shabbat is still uncircumcised, so there's permission to override that Shabbat for the sake of the baby that is uh, to be circumcised on Shabbat. He hasn't been circumcised yet. However, if the baby has already, that was an actual Shabbat baby was already circumcised, so then there's no more permission to uh, violate Shabbat, and therefore whatever other breach you do, you're going to be liable according to everyone. That's the way that the uh, that the uh, they explain Rabbi Yoshua. So therefore, um, so therefore, what, what happens is that in the case where the baby of Shabbat was accidentally circumcised on Arab Shabbat. So by the time you get to Shabbat, there's no more permission to break Shabbat anymore. And then you go and you circumcise the Friday baby. That is not going to be good. However, if you had a, if you, uh, in the first case, where the Sunday baby was brought and was circumcised on Shabbat, according to this, since there was still a baby there that needed a Brit Milan on that Shabbat, because the baby that was supposed to be uh, circumcised on Shabbat was, uh, you know, was uh, around and was not yet circumcised, so there you could say that permission under the under that permission, we're not going to hold him liable, even for the breach that he did. That was uh, was a uh, a mistake. So now, and the connection is here too. So at the end, he says, so he says, so in other words, according to Rabbi Meir, even though, in other words, even though the um, the uh, korban tzibur was already brought, even though the korban tamid was already brought that day, still the person had this korban around. He didn't realize the korban tzibur was brought already. There was permission to override Shabbat for the sake of the korban tamid, and therefore, if he slaughtered his korban. Uh, for the sake of the Korban Tamid, it would be acceptable. Even though the Korban Tamid technically was already brought, but this person didn't realize it, since that Shabbat was allowed to be overridden for the sake of a Brit Milah, uh, for the sake of the Korban Tamid, just like in this case, the Shabbat was allowed to be overridden for the sake of somebody's Brit Milah. So therefore, when he does it for the sake of a Brit Milah that he wasn't supposed to, that's, he, he's going to be excused according to Rabbi Yoshua and seemingly according to Rabbi Meir as well. But when it's, when there was no permission to break Shabbat at all, then we wouldn't have that leniency. So ha So that's that's the uh, that's the logic of the uh, of Rabbi Meir. So So why can't we say that even when there's no particular baby for this moel to circumcise on this Shabbat? He could say, well, there's some baby somewhere in the world who's getting circumcised on the Shabbat. So I could use that and say that this Shabbat is going to be pushed aside for the sake of some baby. So that's not, that's, that's a good logic, except But for this individual, there is no permission. In other words, since this individual Mohel doesn't have any permission to break Shabbat, this Shabbat, in order to circumcise anyone, because the baby that was supposed to be circumcised on Shabbat was circumcised ahead of time by accident. So therefore, he cannot use that, he cannot hide under the cover of that permission to uh, allow him to, um, to allow him to, uh, uh, to, to get, be free of liability for circumcising the baby that was not supposed to be circumcised that day. So basically what you have is that according to Rabbi Yoshua, seemingly in a case where there was still permission for the, uh, for the, uh, for the baby, for the, you know, for the, cir- the uh, mohel to do a circumcision. So his 
accidental circumcision of the wrong baby, he's not going to be liable for that. The original assumption was, though, and if we go back with regard to the korbanot, the, the question was, what about when the korban was already brought? Right? What is the, so what is the issue? Rabbi Meir's interpretation of Rabbi Yoshua is that even in a situation where the korban was already brought, since that Shabbat was allowed to be violated for the sake of korban tibur, then if you have that intention, you're going to be off the hook. The, pre, the previous interpretation was that no, that, um, that once that korban tibur is brought or once that circumcision that was allowed to be done is done, there's no more cover for the mohel to be able to say that he had permission to uh, violate Shabbat and he would be liable for anything he does afterwards. So that would be what Rabbi Meir is differing is going even further and saying that even if it was already brought you could still or even if the circumcision was already done the proper Shabbat circumcision was already done since that Shabbat was going to be pushed off for it um, anyway so whatever the uh, moil does is, uh, is going to also be covered by that same, uh, same leniency now it says so we're saying that if, they, if a person takes an animal that could have been a Korban Pesach, a sheep that is under a year old, and he says, I'm doing this Hashem Pesach, even though it was really a Shlamim, he will not be liable, according to Rabbi Yoshua, for violating Shabbat in that case. According to Rabbi Eliezer, he will. So, who is the one who makes the distinction between whether the animal could have been a Korban Pesach or not? Who is the one who makes that distinction? Rabbi Shimon, it's Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Meir says it doesn't matter whether the animal that you slaughtered for the sake of a Korban Pesach could have been one, or whether it couldn't have been one, or whether you even slaughter an animal for the sake of Korban Tzibur, for the sake of Korban Tamid, you know, since that's something that overrides Shabbat, in all of those cases, the, uh, the, uh, you, would be, you would be exempt for the violation of Shabbat. You're wrong, Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Eliezer would agree that if you take an animal like a calf, or you take a sheep that's over a year old, or that is a female instead of male, or anything like that, that you slaughtered it for the sake of the Pesach, everybody agrees you would be liable, because it's clearly not a Korban Pesach. Where did they argue? That on the Ruyin, the ones that could have been. Rabbi Eliezer says, the fact is, this wasn't a Korban Pesach. I don't care that it could have been. Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua says, since it could have been, it's an honest mistake. So therefore, you are not liable for the violation of Shabbat when you say you did it l'shem Pesach. Rabbi Meir would permit, meaning would, hold, would let, let you off the hook, even if you took a calf that was supposed to be a shlamim, totally the wrong species altogether, and it was for shlamim, and you slaughtered that for the sake of a Pesach on Shabbat, you wouldn't be liable, according to Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir just looks at what your intention was. For the sake of Pesach, okay, then we're not going to hold you liable for violating Shabbat. Didn't Rebbe Yochanan tell us that even Rebbe Meir agrees that if a person took a balmu, took an animal that had a defect, and said, I'm doing this Lashem Pesach, on Erev Pesach, which was Shabbat, that he would be liable. A balmum, an animal that has a defect, the person isn't relating to it as a korban. He knows it can't be offered for any korban. So he's not thinking about it that way. But an animal that was supposed to be a shlamim, and it was, even though it was the wrong species, and even though there's a lot of things wrong, and the wrong designation and all that, still, it was a korban. And it was capable of being a korban. And so when he repurposed it to be a korban Pesach, we let him off the hook. 
That's only according to Rabbi Meir, though. Ravasa asked Rav Nachman, What happens if the person brings a chulin, an animal that is not a korban at all, and he slaughters it l'shem pesach on Shabbat? What would you say about that? Amar Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Amar li Amar Rabbi Meir. What would Rabbi Meir say about that? Amar lei potera ya Rabbi Meir, afilu chulin l'shem pesach. Rebbe Meir would, would say, even if you took an animal that wasn't a korban at all, but you slaughtered it and said, this is the Shem Pesach, obviously in the Beit HaMikdash, this is the Shem Pesach, you would not be liable for Chilul Shabbat. What about the fact that we said that Rebbe Meir agrees that if you take a Balmum and you slaughter it for the sake of a Pesach, it would not, you wouldn't be off the hook for violating Shabbat because it's a Balmum, it's clearly not a good korban. Because Balei Mumin, defective animals, nobody's going to mix them up with real good korbanot. But Hanei Mechlefei, but these would be confused. So now you're bringing in a new factor. You're saying that the whole concern about, of, of Rabbi Meir is whether you could mix it up or not. But we said that Rabbi Meir would say that even if a person took a cow, which clearly cannot be a Koban Pesach, and it was actually a Shlamim, and he slaughtered that for a Pesach, he's still going to be not liable for violating Shabbat. Now over there, Almat Rabbi Meir Mishum Tarit. Right? That, that shows you that it's not about mixing it up. There's no way he would think he would mix up a cow, think it's a Korban Pesach. There's no way. It can't be about mixing it up. It could only be because Tarid, because since he was bringing this as a type of a Korban, he just got confused which Korban it was at the last minute. Not because he really thought it could be a Korban Pesach in his right mind. So we're not talking about accidental mix-ups. We're talking about where the person's involved and he's stressed and so he said the wrong thing. So He says that the, the answer is that there are two factors that Rabbi Meir looks, like, looks at. Number one, whether you could be confused because the animal looks like an animal that could be Korban Pesach, such as a sheep or any other animal that is uh, a chulin that could have been a Korban Pesach but is not. There you might have mixed it up with a Korban Pesach. Or if it's an animal that is a korban, so therefore you are tarid, you are involved in the mitzvah, and you're stressed about it, and you and you you said the wrong intention, and you said it was the shem pesach instead of the, instead of what you know whatever it should have actually been. So in that case, you, there's two mistakes you could make. You could mix it up. You just mixed up one animal for the other, or you mixed up intentions because you were dealing with a korban. But a balmum has no chance of being any kind of a korban. There's no chance that you would have mixed it up with a korban, and there's no chance that you would have designated it, been involved with it as a korban and just said the wrong, you know, expressed the wrong intention. So that's why he doesn't include that. And he says, if you take a balmum of any species and you offer it the Shem Pesach on Shabbat, you are going to be liable. Yativ Rabbi Zerav Rabbi Shmuel Bar Rav Yitzchak, one time Rabbi Zerav and Rabbi Shmuel Bar Rav Yitzchak were sitting um, on the porch of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak, and they were saying the following, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, if a person had two kebabs, basically, and one of the kebabs was notar, was leftover, leftover korban that was, was isur karet to eat it, it's uh, notar, and the other one was nice roasted meat, and he ate it. So chayav uh, is going to be liable for eating it. Okay, now the, assu- the assumption is that this other piece of meat is of course, uh, uh, is of course a uh, korban meat. So it was korban meat that he wanted to eat and fulfill the mitzvah of eating korban. Accidentally, he ate the notar instead, which is a chiyuv karet. And so Reish Lakish says, he has to bring a korban chatat for eating the notar b'shogeg. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan said, Ishto nida ba'al chayab. If a person had relations with his wife when she's in nida, 
he is liable. However, but if, he's, if he consummates his relationship with his Yevama, that he's obligated to marry as a mitzvah, so he's going to be, Patur is going to be exempt. Now, the reason is why he's exempt for the Nidadar is because he was Oseg Bidvar Mitzvah. He was doing the Mitzvah, consummating the marriage with the Yivama. Okay? Even though he should have investigated she, whether she was in, uh, you know, in Nidar or not and not done that, but he's, going, he's not going to be liable because he's doing a Mitzvah. So, some, so the question is, what would Rabbi Yochanan say about Resh Lakish's case? So Resh Lakish's case is where you eat the Notar. You didn't do any Mitzvah at all there. So should you be liable? So would he agree that just like you're liable if you have relations with your wife in Nidar, you also should, and you didn't do any, there's no Mitzvah over there. So too, uh, and, you know, the only reason why he lets you off the hook with the yivama, with the, when you marry your brother's widow, because it's a mitzvah to do it, so he gives you a break, the fact that she was nida. But when you eat notar, you did no mitzvah at all. So maybe he would agree that you would be, maybe in that case he would disagree. I mean, I'm sorry, he would agree with Reish Lakish to be liable. Some say, no, even there, he would also say you're exempt because my tama, hatamu there could be a difference that over you can't really ask a piece of meat whether it's notar or whether it's kodesh. So since he didn't know and there was nobody to ask and he ate it, you can't really hold him liable. But his wife, he could have asked the right. So therefore, since he didn't ask her, he didn't investigate. He's considered liable for having relations with her in the state of nida. And of course, he started talking about bishogeg because it's saying chayav korban chatar. It's talking about bishogeg. You should have asked. So the question is, what would Rabbi Yochanan say about the piece of meat? Would he treat it like the case of nida and say? That uh, in in uh, both ca- in the in both cases he's not doing any mitzvah and uh, and he's making a mistake so he should be liable or no he would say that in the case of the nida he should have asked but in the case of meat he couldn't have asked so he won't be liable for eating the notar when he made a mistake. Rabbi Yochanan, why are you saying that uh, with the yivama he's doing a mitzvah by having relations with his wife he isn't why but even with his wife it's also a mitzvah so it says no bishto his wife is pregnant already, so there's no mitzvah there's no mitzvah reproduction and um, of being fruitful and multiplying, and therefore there's no mitzvah, and he just didn't have a What about the joy of being together? There's a mitzvah of the man and woman to be intimate together for the sake of the joy of the relationship, and that's a mitzvah also. So it says, no, we're talking about a time that it wasn't the time that they would normally be together. So therefore, he wasn't getting that mitzvah of the onah, whatever it is that the, the halakha prescribes for different kinds of people in different lines of work, uh, a frequency of intimacy that is uh, required for the, in their relationship. And so he says that uh, it wasn't that time. So there was no mitzvah. It was only an avirah. Uh, but, but doesn't Ravah say that uh, that it's a mitzvah all the time to to be intimate if they if he sees that his wife is interested that uh, that it's always considered a mitzvah and so therefore really he should uh, it's always considered a mitzvah and we could say that even though he made a mistake about her nida status he was doing a mitzvah so he should be not liable so it says no it was right before the time of uh, her monthly cycle and he and therefore he should have abstained during that time it's not a mitzvah to be together during that time that's the one time it's not a mitzvah to be together even though she's not in Nida yet. And so therefore, since it was, it, it was a time when there was no mitzvah to be together, so uh, he can't use that as an excuse and he's going to be liable for the Nida. If that's true, if that's true, what about, his, uh, what about the Yivama? If we're talking about a case, where we assume the cases are similar, so we must be talking about a situation where it wouldn't have been a mitzvah to be with her at that time because she is uh, c- close to her Nida time. So it says, no, there, Yivimto, so it says, Yivimto, Bazizmina, Ishto, Lobazizmina, 
Bazizmina. So the answer is that when it comes to the Yivama, since it's a relationship that's somewhat awkward and it's a new relationship, he feels embarrassed to ask her about her status. And therefore, he goes ahead and he has relations with her. He's not liable for the fact that he didn't ask because he's embarrassed and he's doing a mitzvah. So we give him a break on the fact that she was nidam. We don't require him to bring a korban chatat with his wife. The assumption is that it's in a situation where he's not doing a mitzvah by being with her and he should have asked. And therefore, um, since he didn't ask and investigate, he's going to be held responsible for the violation of Nida. So Bezrat Hashem, we will continue from here tomorrow. We'll see how the weather shapes up and whether we'll be able to have live class or we'll do on Zoom again. So we'll, I'll, we'll see how the...